G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my privilege to look with you once again at the book of James, chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. Can I encourage you to have your Bible open and uh, we'll think together about what this passage means. We'll read it, think about what it means, how it applies to us. I uh, will also help you to have the outline that uh, is uh, in the resources folder. Let's pray. We'll ask God for his help. Heavenly Father, do please help us now to understand your word and give us strength to put it into practice. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am an extremely punctual person. It's, it's very, very rare that I'm late for an appointment. I'm al almost always early. I, I vividly remember the day I became a punctual person. I was 20 or perhaps just 21 years old, and I'd made an appointment to meet Carmelina at the gym at Macquarie University. At the time, I was working in a nightclub. I worked until 4 a.m., and then I slept in past the time that I'd made our appointment. Now, it didn't particularly worry me. I often ran late in those days, so I arrived an hour late. But when I arrived, there was Carmelina. She was in tears. She was so upset. She was so worried about me, so hurt. Of course, it's the days before mobile phones. She was so upset. It was then I realised being late is extremely rude. It's, it's selfish. It's unloving. And so I decided from that day on to become a punctual person. Now, overall, uh, overall, I don't regret my decision. But there is one big problem with being a punctual person. That, that, there's one problem. It, it means... It means you spend a lot of time waiting. You spend a lot of time waiting. I usually arrive 10 minutes early for an appointment, and, and I often find that other people arrive 10 minutes late. So I find myself waiting for 20 minutes. 20 minutes. That, that is, that is 1,000 200 seconds. And it's not like I have a smartphone so I can, I can waste the seconds on some inane game or some even more inane social media. I, I just stand there and I wait. I have to admit, I don't really like waiting. I especially hate it when people text me five minutes after they were supposed to meet me to tell me that they're running ten minutes late. As if, as if that somehow now excuses them. As if, I should now, as if I should now be thankful that they deigned to tell me about their selfish failure to honour their word. Anyway. Anyway, I often find myself waiting for people. And so, I need to develop one particular virtue. I need to work on one specific character quality. I need to cultivate patience. Now, the Greek word here in the Bible for patience is, is, is a nice word. In its, in its original etymology, it's a combination of two words. The first word is macro, which means, uh, it means long or extended in, in time. In, in, in this context, longer extended in time. And the second word is thumo'o, 
which means to become furious. So, to be patient means that it takes you a long time to become furious. That's pretty much my experience while I'm waiting, trying to stave off my fury. Now, of course, like with all words, the word uh, patience, it, uh, it, it, it's come to develop its own meaning beyond its origins. It comes to mean patience. What does it mean? It means something like calm endurance. Or well, One dictionary puts it this way. Uh, equanimity in the face of delay, suffering or provocation. Well, in chapter 5 of his letter... James calls on his readers to be patient. He wants them to to patiently wait for Jesus to return. Now, notice as we look at verse 7 here, the word then, then. Can you see it there? Be patient then. You could also translate that word therefore. James says, be patient therefore. What do you think that therefore is Therefore, therefore, of course, it points us back to what he's just been saying. There's a connection to what he's just been saying. So remember our context from last week, what what has James been saying? James has been speaking to his rich readers. He's been telling them, telling them about Judgment Day, the day when all their earthly wealth will be lost the day when their wealth, it it may well testify some very troubling things about them. They wasted the last days hoarding wealth. They exploited people to get their wealth. They were selfish and indulgent with their wealth. They, They ignored and they hurt God's people in the process. Now... Chapter 5, verse 7, James turns to all his readers. All of them, can you see, um, can you see that there? He talks to brothers and sisters, uh, both rich and poor now. And now he's addressing them all, and he calls on them, therefore, that is, in the light of what he's been saying, to be patient. To patiently wait for the Lord's coming. So... Why would all this stuff about Judgment Day for rich people mean that James's readers need to be patient until the Lord's coming? I guess for the rich, the challenge is to, to, to keep Judgment Day in mind and so to not focus all their attention on the here and now, on getting and accumulating short-term wealth that's not going to last, on making themselves comfortable in, in this life. They need to be patient. They need to, they need to take a long view. They need to remember that eternity stands before them. And so rather than focus on now and, and getting stuff now, they need to patiently wait for the Lord's coming. For most of James's readers, though, they would have been poor. Um, now, of course, poor people... Um, they also need to hear that they should look to Jesus and his coming and not to short-term wealth. They shouldn't, they shouldn't uh, envy the rich. They shouldn't envy their, their short-lived prosperity. But for the poor, 
And we know that most of James's readers would have been poor. They've had to escape from Jerusalem. They've been scattered into among the nations. For the poor, that the main idea for them would mean, would mean that they need to be they need to be patient in their poverty and their suffering. They need to be patient in the trials that they're in that James talks about in chapter 1. They need to endure their difficult circumstances and wait patiently until the Lord returns. Rich or poor, the point is this. This life is not all there is. The wealth and comfort of this life will soon be gone, that the suffering and difficulties of this life will soon be gone. And so here in chapter 5, James calls on his readers, both rich and poor, to take the long view, to patiently wait for Jesus to come. James chapter 5 and verse 7. Have a look with me now. James chapter 5 and verse 7. Be patient then, therefore, be patient therefore, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. James now gives an example of patiently waiting, a kind of an illustration. He talks about farmers. Uh, farmers, they have to work, they've got to do their work, they have to plant and they have to water and they have to fertilise and so on. But also farmers, they have, to, they have to wait on God. They have to wait for God to provide rain. They can't provide rain themselves, certainly not in, um, in, in Palestine. There's no irrigation there at the time. They just have to wait for God to provide rain. Well, similarly, James is telling his suffering readers that, and all his readers, they need, to, they need to patiently wait for Jesus to return. They need to stand firm, trusting Jesus, no matter what the temptation, to the very end. Still in verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Do you notice there, James says Jesus' return is, is, is near. What do you think he means by that? Well, some people say that uh, James and other early Christians like him, they expected Jesus to return very quickly, um, within a few years, so chronologically near. But the Bible is clear, that's not true. Jesus himself said, no one, including he himself when he was on earth, not even the Son of Man, he says, no one knows the hour or time when, when, when he would return. Jesus was perfectly clear. The Apostle Peter, he, he reminded his readers um, that God isn't slow in sending Jesus back. He said, with God, a thousand years are like a day. He says he's not slow, he's, he's patient. He, he's patient because he doesn't want anyone to be lost, but that all should come to repentance. And friends, you and I can be very glad that God has patiently waited for 2,000 years. Otherwise, we'd have had no chance. We'd have had no chance to put our faith in Jesus. It's not so much that James is saying here that Jesus will come at a chronologically near time. What he is saying is this. Jesus could come back any time. As James said back in verse 4, these are the last days. This time between the resurrection and the return of Jesus, this is the last days. And, and this period could end at any time. The, the, the next thing to happen in God's plan is the return of Jesus. There's nothing else that has to happen first. Next up is the return of Jesus. Jesus' return is near in that sense. And so James wants his readers to be, to be patient and to stand firm. James also has a warning for his readers. He warns them about grumbling. Of course, grumbling is a big temptation for 
all people, and it's always been a temptation for God's people. You only need to look at the stories of the, the Israelites in the wilderness to see the, the, the temptation for God's people to grumble. We're all tempted to, to whine and to grumble. But, but let's face it, many of James's readers, they had more to grumble about than most. Remember again, their circumstances thrown out of Jerusalem. They had to leave everything behind because of religious persecution at the time of Stephen, thrown out of Jerusalem, um, into, scattered among the nations, facing many trials, James says, chapter 1, uh, possibly facing famine, Acts chapter 11. Plus, there's, we've seen now there's this inequality between the rich and poor. Some of them are making grand plans about travel and so on, and some of them are starving. You can, you can just picture it, can't you? The poor would have been tempted to grumble against the rich. The, the rich would have been tempted to grumble against the poor. They, they must have all been tempted to, to, to grumble against each other. It must have been a big temptation for James's original readers. And so James warns them, don't grumble against each other. James says, he says that God would judge people for grumbling. Why do you think that is? What, why, why will God judge people for grumbling? Well, at least a couple of reasons I can think of. Uh, first, grumbling is grumbling about other people, it's, it's unloving towards them, isn't it? It's a way of kind of putting them down to put ourselves up. It's a way of uh, making ourselves feel better at the expense of other people. It, it's, it's, not a, it's not a good or a godly thing. No wonder God judges it. But, but more than that, if, if you, if you criticise and grumble against a person for something that they do, and then you do the same thing, you have no excuse. Do, do, do you get what I mean? When, when you grumble against someone else and say, that thing that they're doing is wrong, but then you do the same thing, you can't claim that you didn't know it was wrong. You knew. You, you said it when you grumbled. And... and yet you deliberately did what you knew was wrong. It, 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 it increases your judgment, leaves you with that excuse. God will, God will judge grumblers. And Jesus' return is near. It, it's like he's standing at the door, James says, ready to come in. So James says, don't do it. Verse 9, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. James comes back to the theme of, to the theme of being patient. And now, now he particularly focuses on the idea of, uh, of being patient in the face of suffering. He, he, he reminds his readers about the Old Testament prophets, prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah. They, 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 they kept on faithfully, patiently preaching God's word, even though they faced terrible opposition, even though they underwent profound suffering, they, they stuck it out. They, they kept on going to the bitter end. James says to his readers, look at their example and patiently persevere. That, he says, is what will bring the blessing of God. God will be pleased with those who patiently stick it out. Verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering... Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. 
As you know, we can count as blessed those who have persevered. James gives one more example, the example from the Old Testament of the man Job. Job also suffered terribly, lost all of his wealth, all of his children were killed, everything went wrong for Job. He ended up getting terribly sick and in pain himself, but but he didn't give up trusting God. He he persevered. And and eventually what happened? Well, at the end of the book, God, God vindicates Job and blesses him, gives him more at the end than he had to start with. And why? ultimately because that's God's nature he is compassionate and merciful to his people and so once again James is calling on his readers to patiently persevere patiently wait for Jesus to return uh, learn from Job and just stick it out still in verse 11 you've heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about the Lord is full of compassion and mercy all right you see what's here in this passage? It's a pretty simple one, I think, isn't it? James wants his readers to be patient, to, to, to patiently wait for Jesus to return, to stand firm, trusting Jesus to the end, looking forward to his coming back to earth. They, they mustn't get distracted by the short-term stuff of this life, not by the deceit of wealth, not by the despair of suffering, and they mustn't grumble against each other. Instead, he says... They, they should emulate the, the, the patience of Old Testament people like the prophets and Job. They need to patiently wait for the return of Jesus. Okay. Well, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. Our friends... I'm sure you've noticed this. Jesus still hasn't returned. As I said before, that's good news. The the Apostle Peter reminds us of that. Um, He's given us the chance to trust Jesus and be saved. But it also means we're still waiting. We're still waiting for Jesus. And so, like James's original readers, we need to do it with patience. But the temptations James talks about here are still temptations for us. What temptations does James talk about? Well, first there's that uh, temptation to be a grumbler. That's that's still a big temptation, isn't it? Especially when times are tough or or when you feel um, hard done by, when you feel injustice. Are you a grumbler? Do, Do you often find yourself complaining about people, criticising, gossiping. I have to admit I was having a grumble the other day and the person I was talking to, he said to me, um, he said, would you like cheese with that? I said, I said, what do you mean? He said, with your wine. Would you like cheese with that? Yeah, it took me a moment to get it as well. Um, wine and cheese, but my wine had an, had an H in it. Are you a grumbler? Are you a whiner? Do you realise it makes God angry? He'll, he'll judge grumblers. I, I do know of one hypothetical dad who is definitely not me, 
he, he sometimes asks his children to do something, such as, for example, help him with the washing up. And this hypothetical dad, who is definitely not me, finds that, to his distress, that the child will sometimes respond with, with grumbling. Why do I have to help? I helped last time. What am I? Some kind of, some kind of slave. What did your last slave die of? Why don't you ask my brother? He never helps. How come, how come I have to do all the work while he sits around doing nothing? It's his mess anyway. This is why you're such a bad parent, because you always favour him over me. Now, if, if one of my children were hypothetically to say that to me, as I'm sure they definitely would never do, but if they were hypothetically to say that to me, I, I'd find that annoying. After all, they do live in my house and, and eat my food that, that I probably just graciously cooked for them, and they do sleep in my bed and they do drive my car. I, I don't think, objectively speaking, it's unfair that I would ask them to help with the washing up. And, and if it happens by some chance that I ask one child to do it more often than I ask another because I don't keep an exact digital record or roster of who I ask to do what, well, frankly, too bad. God feels a bit the same about our grumbling. He finds it a bit rich that a, that a miserable sinner saved only by the Lord Jesus Christ, would grumble against another person as if they're somehow better or deserve better or as if it's somehow unfair, their circumstances. He finds it annoying after all he's graciously done for us that we would grumble. Ah, friends, friends, better to look to Jesus and wait patiently rather than look around and grumble. That's one temptation that's here in James, and I think it still exists for us, doesn't it? The temptation to grumble. A second temptation that James talks about here that will, that will hinder us from waiting patiently for Jesus to return, a second temptation is to focus on, it's to focus on now rather than on what's to come in the future when Jesus returns. As we saw in the passage, that can take a couple of forms. We can be distracted by um, short-term wealth and comfort, or we can... We can despair because of short-term pain and suffering. We can be distracted by short-term wealth. We can despair because of short-term suffering. Either of them can hinder us from waiting patiently for Jesus to return. Now, as wealthy people, um, the, the temptation is often to invest our lives in comfort and luxury here on earth rather than waiting for Jesus and, and the eternal joy that he brings. We, of course, we thought about this last week uh, in James 5, 1 to 6. The Apostle Paul also, talk, also talks about it. Um, he talks to Timothy about rich people, and he says this. I think it's very helpful. He says, Command them, that is the rich people, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. It's just 
It's a really helpful perspective there. And it's the same perspective James is calling on us to have here now. There is a life that is truly life. But it's not now. It's not this life. It's not this age. It's a coming age. It's when Jesus returns. So friends, better to take a long-term view, better to be patient about it, better to delay gratification, better to lay up treasure for the coming age by, by generosity, good deeds, being willing to share, better to not impatiently let the short-term wealth and comfort of this life distract us from waiting for Jesus. Uh, we also need to be patient in the face of suffering. Don't impatiently let the short-term suffering of this life stop you from waiting for Jesus. Don't, don't let it make you give up on Jesus or turn away from him or, or lead you into sin. Uh, we're all going to suffer now. All of us will suffer. But, as the Apostle Paul put it, I consider that our present suffering is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Or, or as the Apostle Peter put it, we greatly rejoice in God's salvation, though now, for a little while, we may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We will suffer. And we need to be ready for that. We need to be ready to patiently endure, to, to wait patiently for Jesus to, to, to come back and to sort it all out. The other day, a friend of mine was telling me about his auntie. She used to say she believed in Jesus, but now she says she doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. Um, he talked to her about it. He asked her why she had given up her faith. And she said this. She said, I can't believe that God would do the things that he's done to me. Uh, my husband died, my son died, and now I've got cancer. I refuse to believe in a God who can be so cruel. Now, of course, of course, my friend spoke uh, sympathetically to his auntie. But as, as he and I talked about it and reflected on it, we realised this. If you only believe in God on the basis that you and the people around you are, are not going to die, well, you have got 0% chance of ending up a Christian. The fact is, until Jesus returns, the death rate will continue at 100%. Every single person around you will get sick and die, and you will get sick and die. And if you will only believe in a God who's not going to let people get sick and die, if you can't believe in a God who is so cruel, you have got a 0% chance of ending up a Christian. Because it's definitely going to happen. The fact is, we will suffer. And so we need the kind of faith, if we're going to have any faith at all, we need the kind of faith that will acknowledge the fact and patiently endure. The kind of faith that will hold on no matter what, the kind of faith that will realise that our suffering now is just for a little while, as the Apostle, Paul put it, as the Apostle Peter put it. The, 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 the suffering now is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed with us. We need to hold on no matter what, wait patiently for Jesus to return. Okay, so friends, you get the big idea. We need to learn patience. This is not just something that I need to learn as I wait 1,200 seconds for tardy people. This is a whole perspective on life in this age. This life here on earth is not going to last. Soon Jesus will return. He will bring the life that is truly life. So friends, let's learn from what James says here. Don't grumble. 
Don't get too caught up in the temporary stuff of this life. Don't get distracted by wealth. Don't despair because of suffering. Just keep on patiently waiting for the Lord's coming. There's, there's a famous Japanese story. It's about a dog called Hachiko. Hachiko lived in the 1920s. Uh, every day, he used to follow his owner, Professor Hidezaburo Ueno, to a Shibuya train station as he caught the train to go to work. And Hachiko would then return to the station in the afternoon and wait until his owner came back from work. And then they would walk home together. But then one day in 1925, while he was at work, Professor Ueno suffered a cerebral hemorrhage and suddenly died. From then on, uh, every afternoon, Hachiko would go to the station at, at the time when the train was due. Every day, he would sit and patiently wait for hours, f for 10 years, until he himself died, Hachiko patiently waited for his owner to come home. Hachiko became very famous. In fact, he became so famous that there's now a bronze statue of him in front of Shibuya train station. Uh, there's also a mural of Hachiko celebrating this amazingly loyal, patient dog. Nice story. And, and friends, that's... That, 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 that's a picture of the, the kind of patience we need. We know that our owner will return, even if it's not in our lifetime. Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. He will come back. And so, no matter what happens, no matter what the temptation, day after day, like Hachiko, we need to patiently wait for the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have raised Jesus from the dead. He is now alive and the day will come when he returns and brings these last days to an end. Thank you that on that day he will bring vindication and comfort and joy for his people and judgment for his enemies. Thank you that he will set everything right. Heavenly Father, do please help us to wait patiently for the Lord Jesus. Help us to look to him and not grumble about each other. Help us not to be distracted by the stuff of this life, whether that be good things like wealth or bad things like suffering. Help us instead to keep our eye on the Lord Jesus Christ and to stand firm, uh, waiting with patience until that day. And Lord, we pray that you'll please bring it on. Bring on the day when Jesus returns. We ask it in Jesus' name.